Welcome to Adequate Yearly Progress, Episode 15. My name is Erin Sterling, and I'm the librarian at Eckstein Middle School in Seattle, Washington. Every episode, I interview a different teacher and find out why they became a teacher, what they like about it, and what they don't like about it. In this episode, I interview Adam McDonald, a relatively new computer science teacher. Adam just started teaching at Eckstein with me this year and has an interesting background. He studied history in college, taught in Thailand for a few years, worked at a nonprofit to get students into computer science, and a non-teaching but generally interesting side note is the youngest of 12 kids. Listen to Adam talk about his optimistic outlook on teaching, what computer science education at a middle school really looks like, and how history and computer science go hand in hand. On a side note, apologies for the audio quality of this program. We are recording in this classroom, which is a little echoey and has school fan that adds to a certain ambient background noise. The conversation is still worth listening to. All right, let's go. Hi, Adam. I'm glad you're on my show. For everyone listening, this is Adam McDonald. He is a teacher at Exine Middle School with me, uh, like a lot of other guests have been. Um, and he is a computer science tech teacher right now. So, Adam, could you tell me about yourself and why you became a teacher? So, um, uh, I'm from Edmonds area. I grew up, you know, in the Seattle uh, metropolitan area. Uh, I spent pretty much my whole life over here. Um, fun fact about me, I'm the youngest of 12 kids. So, I am uh, used to being around a lot of people and very boisterous people at that so that kind of helped me kind of I guess be custom to working in a school with lots of other people and lots of kids because the other thing is uh, with my big family also a lot of my siblings had a lot of kids too so I've been around kids my whole life and <laughs> I'm used to uh, kind of I guess dealing with them so to speak um, so a little bit about me um, again I grew up in Seattle area I um, I went to high school at Blanchett, right on the other side of the freeway, so I know this area very well. Um, after that, I went and did my undergrad at Gonzaga, so I spent some time in Spokane. Hated it at first, um, but uh, Spokane really grew on me, and I like it a lot. And it was also nice because having the Gonzaga uh, basketball team over there made uh, Spokane that much more exciting. Yeah. Did you uh, hate Spokane in particular or you know, Gonzaga? It was, no, Gonzaga? I love Gonza- pre- Gonzaga. Gonzaga. Yeah. Everybody calls it, I've heard it Gonzaga, and which doesn't make any sense because our nickname, we're the, technically our mascot's the Bulldogs, but our nickname is the Zags. So people call us Gonzaga and then, you know, so we're like, what are we, the Zogs? Or, yeah, yeah. You know, so yeah, it always drew me nuts. Um, I love the school. Yeah, it's one of those things when I was... Uh, Applying for colleges, uh, it's school I knew about it. I did early admission, got in, had never seen the school, and I was like, oh, I'll, I'll go there, you know. And then uh, I loved the campus at first. I loved the school. It's a really good school, um, but Spokane is just a little bit, um, can be a little sketchy at times. So, uh, but I learned to love it, found an awesome little kind of little spots in there. It's really beautiful. Um, I love the outdoors, so I love to bike and go hiking and snowboarding and you know camping and all sorts of things anything outdoors i love to get outside and try new things so spokane and pretty much all washington is a really good place for that so uh, spokane or spokane uh grew on me really quick um so i liked it a lot um i spent four years there um i got my main degree in history uh, which is kind of one of my passions um and uh, from there i was always kind of planning on going into teaching uh when i first got to college i was kind of on the fence about what i wanted to do but um 
when it came to teaching, it's always been something that's kind of in the back of my mind. Um, it kind of, I guess, started from, uh, I had a really awesome sixth grade teacher uh, named Mr. Dresbeck, and he was my history teacher as well. And he just kind of flipped the whole curriculum around and made it really interactive and really fun, which kind of really kind of excited me about learning and history and just kind of the whole, you know, academic environment. And that kind of what really got me, got me into school. You know, before then, I'd, you know, I'd gone to a private school my whole life. All my siblings went to the same grade school and um, just kind of went through the motions and he was kind of the first teacher that kind of got me excited about learning. And so I just kind of always kind of remembered that and kept that in the back of my mind. And, uh, when I was at Gonzaga, I was doing a couple other things. I wasn't quite sure what I wanted to do when I grew up. And so I, uh, had a friend who was in the education department and she's like, just take a ed class, you know, see if you like it. And I took the first class, like the intro one-on-one class. I didn't sign up for any other classes and like immediately hit me, you know, and it was one of those really good classes that kind of just empowers you to, you know, be responsible and to like education and to change the world and impact that, you know, a lot of new teachers kind of have the mentality starting out. So I um, was doing education there, decided to stick with it, Um, was kind of almost finished with my with my uh, education program there. Um, I wasn't going to graduate on time, so I decided to take a break. I still wanted to pursue education, um, and so I decided to get my master's instead and kind of uh, take a little bit of a break um, in between undergrad, after getting my undergraduate degree, and then kind of pursuing my master's. So you had already decided that you probably wanted to get a master's degree, yeah. but you were going to take some time. Yeah, yeah. So I, uh, I was since I switched majors, since I switched to education, and finally once I narrowed in that I wanted to do education, um, actually my advisor, uh, who was the head of the master's program at Gonzaga, was like, you know, you might want to try to pursue a master's. You know, it's, you know, it's probably a better situation. Um, I also am one of those type of people where if I'm going to do something, I want to be the best as possibly or the best I can at it. So, um, you know, I wanted to pursue a master's and get that kind of, you know, higher level education uh, if this is what I was going to be doing. So... Uh, I got my history degree and I decided to kind of wait and kind of started applying for master's programs and got into a couple good schools and was really excited about it. But at the same time, I was just really burnt out. I worked really hard in college and right. I was also working all four years. So and I was working at Nordstrom's, which was uh, which was hard. <laughs> a great job. experience for uh, teaching. Yeah, it was a great learning experience. I worked in women's shoes, wow. um, which was awesome. And I probably know more about women's shoes than most women. But so can you recommend the three shoes? What do, what do you want to know? What do you want? You, know, you want a pump? We can get a nice flat. You can get a little heel, whatever you want. No heel. Uh, yeah, no, all right. Me either. Um, yeah, so I was just kind of burnt out from, from college. Again, you know, I was really happy with my progress, and I got really good grades, but I just kind of needed a break. So um, I knew I still wanted to teaching, go into teaching. I wanted to get some teaching experience, but I also wanted to kind of, you know, live my life as kind of a young adult um, in my early mid-20s. And um, I moved to Thailand for about – I lived there. I was planning on originally moving there for about six months. Um, I just wanted to kind of see the place, uh, see the country, travel a little bit, and then uh, maybe find a teaching gig. Um, there's lots of foreign language schools, you know, where you can just teach English, and those the jobs are pretty easy to get um, being a being an expat, being an American. So um, I went there. I found a school that was really awesome. It was a huge school. They had a couple thousand students. They had a K through eight Thai program where they had all of their classes in Thai, and they got English once a week or excuse me, every day, uh, every day of the week. 
Um, and then uh, they also had an English program where they had 70% of their classes were in English and the other 30% were in Thai. And that's what I taught in. So I had a regular sixth grade class. I taught history. I taught social studies. I taught literature. I taught English. I taught um, a little bit of science in a reading class. Um, and I taught mainly had my sixth graders, but I also taught second through probably junior or high school. So wow. kind of, yeah, they kind of threw you around. Did you, like, throughout the year you taught all the different? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so each quarter, because the, one of the problems uh, teaching over there is you get so many people kind of come and go, right. um, which what I, what I was planning on doing as well. I was only planning on staying for six months. And so you get a lot of people that are kind of in that, you know, kind of path. Mm-hmm. Um, so people, the turnover is really, really high. Is that because of the particular schools or is that for I think it's all more... schools or is it for the schools where there's a lot of English? Included in them? Yeah, probably, you know, where there's, where there's English or foreign teachers, um, you know, most of the teachers that come there are coming there to travel or to live there for a little bit and then go back home. Uh, there's very, a very small group of people who move there and stay there and live there permanently. And most of them have settled there and have families and um, kind of, you know, totally intermixed with the culture there and that's just their life. But uh, the number of people, the biggest percentage of people that do that is, is pretty small. So most of the people are coming are from outside Thailand. Yeah. Or I mean, I mean not coming. Most of the people teaching at yes. this school or a lot of schools like it. Yeah, yeah. So uh since our school was so big and we had an international program there as well, um we were kind of uh, that school is called Wari Chiang Mai, uh is in Chiang Mai, Thailand. And uh that school had um had a lot of foreign teachers. I think there's probably about thirty five of us from Mostly from the UK and Australia. Uh, I think there were three American teachers, including myself. Um, Americans don't travel as well, which mm-hmm. I kind of figured out over there. Um, so, but there's also Thai teachers. So for every English teacher, there was two Thai teachers. Um, okay. And so they kind of helped students kind of understand after we teach something in English uh, for certain classes like math and science, uh, they would also kind of get another dose of that uh, after we taught it and they'd get, get it in Thai as well to kind of help them understand. Um, so, uh, yeah, I taught there. As, again, I was planning on staying six months. Uh, I love the school. It was a really awesome uh, program uh, that they had going there. And uh, that six months quickly turned into about two and a half years, almost three years. Uh, and it was just it was easy to live over there because everything was so cheap. Right. Um, when I found out, I, when I was traveling over there, I kind of, they kind of gave you, I did a program that um, kind of set me up. I did two weeks in, in Cambodia and two weeks in Thailand and then found my teaching job. And they kind of prepared you in that program to not only teach in a foreign country, uh, but also kind of what's it like living in a foreign country and just being completely out of your element. And before I moved there, I didn't really travel too much outside the country. So it was a big culture shock. Yeah. I loved every second of it, but it was, it was different. Um, and so uh, when I was over there, they kind of let you know, like, you know, you're not the dollar goes a lot further, but you're also not going to be making as much in the average teaching position. So uh, they kind of gave us kind of a, a realm that most teachers uh, make over there, unless you're at like a boarding school or like mm. a really nice international school. And they kind of framed it around like 1200 to $1,400 a month. And okay. so I was like, oh, my gosh, I'm never going to be able to live off 1200 $1,400 a month. I don't care where I am. And I got my first paycheck, and you'd be amazed how far your dollar can go because I was able to live in a really nice condo. I bought a motorbike. I paid off a credit card when I was over there. Wow. Uh, yeah. Yeah, totally crazy. Never thought I'd be able to do it. And then, you know, I was also able to travel every long weekend, which was kind of nice. So I got to see all of Asia, and I got was able to get teaching experience while I was doing it, which was nice. So, you know, I was teaching full-time job, and then every break, every long weekend, I'd travel. I could go to a foreign country because it's so easy to travel within Southeast Asia and Asia. Right. So um, it was a pretty awesome experience. 
Um, but after close to three years, it was kind of time to come back to reality and said, so I'd move back here. We pretty much started my master's program right away. Um, absolutely loved it. It was a one year and full time intensive program um, that got me really excited about teaching and kind of really shaped kind of myself as an educator. I was able to get a lot of experience um, in different schools in the Seattle School District and kind of all over. So um, I was originally focusing on secondary. Um, I hadn't really taught too much high school and I kind of thought that's what I wanted to teach. Um, but I did my student teaching and I liked it and had a really good experience there. Um, I was teaching at Mount Lake Terrace High School up okay. in Edmonds or Mount Lake Terrace, I guess, but in the Edmonds School District. Uh, and the high schools were a lot of fun, but I just kind of, the whole time I was thinking when I was teaching there, I was like, uh, you know, constantly reminded of my sixth graders when I was in Thailand and they're just a lot of fun. And I kind of decided that middle school was kind of the age group for me and they just bring a lot of energy and a lot of curiosity that kind of goes away as they get older. So just being able to tap into that, um, kind of makes teaching a lot. A lot more fun. Yeah, middle school is so much fun. Right. Yeah, it's, it's hard. <laughs> to teach. The kids and are hard tough. And crazy. But it's totally crazy. But it's also a lot, it's a lot of fun. I've taught the second, third, third graders. I uh, even taught first grade for a very short amount of time. And they're a lot of fun. But That I, was that from Thailand? Yeah, that was in Thailand. Yeah. I, uh, I don't think I could keep up with that. I don't have the amount of energy. Because after teaching one class, you know, as soon as the kids leave the room, I just, you know, had to stop and just put my head down. And I was like, oh my gosh, like a total whirlwind yeah, into that classroom. Spanish at a Montessori school. So like preschool through second grade. And I was just like the drop in. Like, I have so much respect for preschool teachers. Oh, yeah. And kindergarten and first grade. I mean, there's just so much that you have to teach them how to do. They mm -hmm. don't know anything. Right. So... You're teaching tech right now yes. at Eckstein, um, and your background is in history. So when you were doing your master's, were you focusing it on social studies and language? Like, what landed you in tech yeah. um, and computer science? So uh, computer science, I just kind of stumbled across. Um, I was uh, a history teacher, um, I, and I also an English teacher as well, um, which I like teaching. I love history, and I'm very passionate. I'm a huge nerd, so you know I could talk about history all day long. Um, I, uh, when I finished my master's program, uh, I was looking for teaching jobs. Uh, I kind of, uh, when we, our program ended, it was kind of after the school year had started. So I had some trouble finding a permanent gig. Um, like a fall teaching gig. Yeah. So yeah. basically our program ended in kind of end of August, early September. And by then schools had already started. So right. it was a little bit harder to find a job, especially teaching uh, history as well. So uh, couldn't really find anything. And then uh, one of my friends who's also in a program uh, got a job working at a tech startup that was teaching computer science to kind of second through sixth to eighth graders, mostly sixth, uh, fourth, fifth, and sixth graders. Um, and I've always been passionate about technology. I've always loved, uh, kind of been a, kind of fiddled around with technology, been really curious about it, which I think is a really important part of computer science just in general. Um, and, uh, you know, I'd been, you know, kind of taught myself, you know, some computer science principles, kind of just toying around and kind of throughout my life and um, was able to start working at this tech startup. It was based out of Bellevue. Um, and the nice thing about it was I was able to work with a former Microsoft exec uh, retiree who totally helped frame my understanding for how computer science should be taught. So although the startup didn't work for 
work out for a number of different reasons, I was able to kind of get a kind of a firsthand computer science education from someone very prominent in the field. Um, And the other nice thing was teaching there at that startup, we had a lot of engineers. So um, those computer science engineers and hardware engineers we're able to kind of feed off each other. So uh, we trained them on how to be functional in the classroom. <laughs> you know, because so, a couple of those engineers were a little bit socially awkward, which uh, is all right. Yeah. And teaching um, is a training, too. Yeah, and not everybody's used to being around kids, especially when they're wild and crazy middle schoolers <laughs> or late elementary students. So, um, yeah, that we were able to kind of help them get accustomed to the classroom, and they were able to kind of help answer any questions that we kind of came came up with, and uh, it was just a really awesome, organic learning experience. So were you working well. in school? Like, was it kind of a program yeah, we, that worked with schools, or was it more after-school-based? Yeah, it was, after, it was an after-school program. Uh, we contracted through a bunch of different schools um, based out of Bellevue, and we kind of uh, were catering to the more affluent crowd, which was a little bit unfortunate because that's an kind of how computer science has worked the last, you know, however long, you know, it's kind of caters to the more affluent crowd. So being able to teach in a more broad or teach it to a more broad group of students and abilities, I think was something that I really wanted to focus on and I couldn't have gotten it from that job. So um, I left that position and started looking for jobs and I was looking for teaching computer science um, in middle schools, which there's very few middle schools that offer computer science. Um, I applied to Eckstein in the morning and got the call back in the afternoon and started the following Monday, and it was, here I am. <laughs> and <it laughs> and we're so happy. Yeah, and I'm happy to be here. It's been a great experience so far. So do you, so do you have then a social studies endorsement, and what do you have to have for computer, teaching computer science? That's, that's kind of a, a tricky thing is that um, when I was doing my master's program, we weren't aware of any sort of computer science. Right, that's what... Yeah, endorsement. <laughs> like, interested. you know, there's math, there's science, there's history, there's English, there's art, you know, but there's n- no way or there's no was no endorsement. So uh, how you obtain it is through the CTE program, which is mm-hmm. offered kind of roughly through the school district, uh, which I'm starting to work on now okay. uh, to get that actual endorsement, which opens up a lot of doorways for teaching computer science and can help, you know... You can get a lot more support from the district and from other people. But, um, yeah, I would never even have thought to look for that as an endorsement because nobody else was doing it. There's very few computer science teachers just in general. Mm -hmm. Um, Because most people, if you know anything about computer science, you can get a job (laughs) doing computer science stuff. (laughs) You know, you can go get a job at Amazon or Google or any of the many tech startups in the Seattle area and make a lot of money. So. Uh, when it comes to teaching, you know, a lot of people are deterred because, you know, why teach and not make that much money when I can go make a bunch of money and mm-hmm. work at a tech startup in this kind of really kind of emerging field. Um, so what I've kind of found out is that most of the computer science teachers, uh, from my experience in the area, are either people that um, have kind of like myself kind of picked it up along the way and then just ran with it and are constantly trying to kind of grow and tackle this giant idea that is technology that has so many different moving parts you know so it's hard to you know cover them all but you know um and then you get the other group of of teachers who are uh former computer science professionals or worked at amazon and that have retired and kind of went into teaching and so very few people go into computer science education with the plan that i'm going to teach it yeah and i don't know of any teachers that do that i'm sure they're out there but um, i don't know of any teachers that yeah it's 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 interesting because there's so Mm -hmm. much to talk about STEM, but I think it's an area that's a little overlooked because you're right. There's that 
strange right. gap. And also the, the pay gap is quite large yes. for if that's your background versus if you're passionate about teaching. Mm -hmm. Don't necessarily think to be passionate about computer science education. Right. Uh, and do, so does that mean, do you want to stick with teaching tech or CS for now? Or are you hoping to jump at some point? Or are you flexible? Um, I would love to teach this for the rest of my life. Um, I, kinda, I have another friend who was kind of in the same boat as I was. He was uh, a history teacher, a uh, social studies teacher, and went into computer science. And he, he works at, uh, teaches computer science at a school down in Tacoma. And uh, he and I were kind of talking about, you know, how much we love teaching computer science and how much fun it is because I get to play with all the cool things that I'm teaching, you know. Yeah. Um, and he made a good point uh, kind of coming from a history background is um, as a historian, you look at, you know, the past and you use to learn from it. And it kind of correlates with technology as well because in history, you're kind of looking at the past and to see how things evolved. Um, and technology is kind of on the other end of that spectrum where you're kind of seeing how things are developing based on our, you know, understanding of the world and, you know, what we have to work with. So it's kind of, I kind of see them as very much connected mm -hmm. when it comes to history and technology, um, which is why it kind of, as a history nerd, it's kind of easy to be fascinated by technology. And there's also a lot of cool stuff to play with. Yeah. <laughs> as yeah. Well. So you've talked a little bit about what you like, but what are other things you find rewarding about being a teacher? What is so great about it? You know, I've had that question asked a bunch of times, and especially by my siblings, uh, because when I went into teaching, I was actually the first uh, member of my family to go away four okay. years to college. That's actually, oh, okay. Yeah, no. so out of all 12 of my siblings, I was the first one to go to college. So there's a lot of pressure on me um, to go <laughs> in to be a doctor or a lawyer. It's one of these, you know, prominent careers that a lot of people think of. And um, when I went into teaching, again, I didn't get a lot of support. And... Uh, one of my brothers asked me, he's just like, why, do you, why did you become a teacher? You know, just wasn't getting on my case at all, but just was just genuinely curious. And I'm like, you know, any job that you have is going to be tough and it's going to wear you thin. But the nice thing about teaching is, and I use this the same example, is you can have a student that's driving you up a wall, not listening, uh, running up and down the halls, you know, absolutely driving you crazy. And they can just say one thing. And middle schoolers are so funny. They can say one thing that just makes you just start laughing and just forget all that stuff. So I don't know any job where you can be just so like frustrated and upset by something <laughs> and just have that same thing that's just driving you nuts, just completely turn you around and just put a smile on your face, you know? So this is those little things that just kind of make teaching worthwhile. And, you know, am I going to reach every student? No. Am I going to make every student become a computer programmer? No. But the fact that hopefully I can reach a certain number of students and change their lives and impact their lives. That's just a really rewarding to me. Um, I feel like most teachers and you may even agree with this. Like when you first start out, you become a teacher cause you want to change the world. Right. Um, and the, one of the problems, which is one of the reasons why I think we have a lot of burnouts with teachers, why teachers don't last too long is that quickly goes by the wayside and they realize, or they kind of get disillusioned that, you know, I had this idea that I'm going to change the world, but you know, I, you know, they feel like that they, for some reason, can't or that that's not, you know, a, a true or a valid uh, belief anymore. But with technology um, and teaching it, I really feel like that I am making an impact, especially in the area, because computer science and technology is in such high need right now. And not a lot of people know about it and not a lot of people support it. So I kind of feel like uh, Miss Matter and myself and all the other computer science teachers are kind of really in kind of the grassroots uh, you know, 
I guess, grassroots kind of area to kind of get this kind of started and get this going because I think in the next few years it's really going to blow up and there's going to be yeah. a lot more push to get computer science education in the regular curriculum. Right. I, you could definitely see it in articles that are written, but it is true that it's not it's not quite there, even just in the ethos of the, the school and thinking about who takes it and how it's pushed as an elective. And like right, right. And also, I mean, like, uh, you know, we're becoming more and more connected digitally. You know, you go on the bus every day. I was telling my kids about this today. You go on the bus, and if it's a full bus, you can imagine what everybody's doing. Everybody's on their phones, you know, and just people are just connected to their electronics more often than they've ever been. And, uh, you know, it kind of comes down to literacy. You know, we talk about literacy in English where you got to learn how to read, write, and then also understand what you're doing. But that should be, I think, the case for computer science as well. Like, not only should you be able to use a phone and a tablet and a computer or whatever device, but you should also know how it works. And, you know, that's where computer science comes in and understanding code and that kind of stuff. Cool. Yeah. So on the flip side, what are some things that are frustrating about teaching? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> I mean. Oh, I got to make a long list. Um, teaching is just kind of a very frustrating profession in general um, because you are – battling with certain kids to get them to do work, to encourage them to learn, to uh, have faith and just to buy into what you're doing, which can be a battle sometimes, you know, especially when you're really, really working hard with a kid and you know that they have potential and you know that this could be something that they enjoy, but if they're not bought into it, it's really hard. So kind of getting kids, you know, especially when they're right there and they show a lot of promise, you know, kind of getting them to where you want them to be. It's frustrating, not only because you want them to make the effort, but are you also kind of, you know, you're worried about what you're doing to help and what can you constantly be doing. And you're always kind of trying to, I think any good teacher is always trying to improve themselves and trying to find that little niche with that one student to help them out. Um, you know, that can be frustrating and it's hard. Um, what else? What else is frustrating about teaching? Um, there, I mean, just like any profession, there's a lot of bureaucracy, which, you know, I think kind of wears out some teachers. You know, you're going to get that in any school in any district you go to. Um, and you got to kind of weather the punches. But, you know, stuff like that can be frustrating. And, um, I mean, I don't know. I think a lot of people get frustrated by the pay scale and just, you know, teachers don't get a lot of support. Um, I went into teaching well aware of that, so it's not something that I really kind of dwell on at all. But, um I don't know, every day is different, and it's filled with frustrations, whether it be from something that happened or from a student or whatever, and it's just kind of that's something that you prepare yourself for every day. You're going to run into frustrations, and you, again, like I said earlier, you're going to have one student who's going to drive you up a wall, and then you're going to have another student who's just going to make you roll you know, on the floor laughing. So you know, I try not to dwell on those frustrations too much because that's what kind of wears people down. Um, and so there's plenty of frustrations in teaching. Yeah. I could go on and we could probably spend this whole podcast on that. But, <laughs> the um, next podcast. <laughs> but I think it's better just to kind of roll the punches and then just keep on keeping on. Yeah. And kind of not, this is more about learning to teach and kind of that process. Were there any early challenges for you? So not necessarily frustration, but just challenges in learning how to teach. Yeah. Oh, I mean, Teaching is a very emotional profession. It's very easy to get upset. It's very easy to lose your cool. It's very easy to um, get excited on a topic and go on a tangent and then forget what you're supposed to be teaching, <laughs> um, which has happened to me before. You know, some of the kids kind of sometimes enable that a little bit, and oh, they're well yeah. aware of it. Um, so I think just kind of learning how to 
be around kids, create a positive environment uh, for them and a positive learning environment for them as well, which I think any teacher has to kind of develop their own sense of what that is. Um, I've been around kids my whole life. Um, I have, oh my gosh, uh, 24 nieces and nephews now. Oh my gosh, crazy. 24, so 24 25, <laughs> I lost track. But, um, you know, being around them, which are family members, you know, I act, you know, have to act completely different even though they're the same age as some of my students because it's a different dynamic and you got to present yourself in a certain way that the kids will not only respect but trust and believe in you and uh, know that you have their back. So um, just kind of developing that identity, that kind of understanding of how who you are as a teacher was probably the most challenging because it constantly evolves. And uh, what I when I first started teaching, what I used to think was good practices, uh, I probably wouldn't consider them to be good practices anymore. And it just kind of depends on your environment and kind of the lessons you learn as a teacher and the experiences you have with your students and with your school. Um, all those different challenges kind of develop you into who you are as a teacher. So, Are there any particular things that helped you address some of those challenges? Like, what, is it colleagues or books or administration or kind of a mix? Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean... In general, it's probably a mix, but are there any things that you found particularly helpful? Oh, yeah, just collaboration in general. Um, One of the best things I learned from my uh, cooperative teacher when I started student teaching is she said, teaching is stealing, um, which I 100% agree with. If something works, take it and use it yourself. Uh, So I've... What I found to be most helpful is working with other teachers, uh, seeing other teachers in their practice, in their classrooms, kind of in their own environment, and kind of just uh, the nice thing when I was doing my graduate program and having so much different kind of experiences in education from, uh, you know, doing my student teaching or my um, education program at Gonzaga and uh, I got my master's at Seattle U and teaching in Thailand. had a lot of very different kind of teaching dynamics and different atmospheres Uh, and so learning from all those different teachers and all those different settings kind of I think really helped me kind of narrow down who I am as a teacher and what I want to do and focus on and what not to focus on and what not to you know do in in a classroom right right. yeah the collaboration element I think is huge and super important yeah kind of jumping off that what advice do you have for people who are thinking of becoming teachers um I don't think everybody's met to be a teacher. So you, I think if you are interested in teaching, uh, I think the best thing you can do is kind of throw yourself into the fire. Um, if you're interested in teaching, volunteer in a classroom, um, volunteer at a daycare center, something along the line where you're working with kids and you can get used to how crazy it is <laughs> all the time. Um, you know, it's if you have trouble handling your emotions and uh, letting, you know, keeping things close to the chest, you know, teaching might not be for you because there's hard times in teaching and there's times where you're very frustrated and frustrated with the kids and with, you know, whoever you're working where, working for or with. Um, so you have to have a thick skin, I think, when it comes to teaching. And you have to have, I think, to be a good teacher, you have to have drive to constantly improve yourself. Um, it's really easy, especially after you've been teaching for a while, to get kind of stuck in a rut and very stagnant. Um, and I think that's where kind of people hit a wall teaching. And so constantly trying to reinvent yourself and try new things um, is, I think, a really key, uh, important kind of value that you have to have going into teaching. Yeah. And what are some moments or lessons that have made you feel like, yeah, I'm a really good teacher? Oh my gosh. Um, I'm very critical of myself. So of course, yeah, we all are. yeah, I don't, I don't 
always dwell on on things like that. Um, I guess the one thing that kind of really stands out is uh, it comes from my student teaching experience, and I was really kind of focusing on uh, getting to know my kids. Um, I had this one particular class of teaching seniors in high school. Um, and so, you know, I was working really, really hard to kind of get to know the kids. I'm not necessarily trying to be their best friend, but, you know, show them that I'm there to be a positive uh, influence in their lives and, you know, help them academically. Um, and there was one student who had had a lot of trouble issues at school. He had been suspended multiple times. Uh, he was very introverted. And he just kind of, going by him, you can tell that he was not happy where he was. And um, so what I kind of did was just kind of not really get in his face and just kind of reach out and let him know I was there. And uh, as I expected, he didn't really want to have anything to do with me. And that was fine. You know, um, I helped him along. It was just kind of just being a positive, you know, positive influence on him. And he'd get mad and lose his cool really easily. And he had some trouble, uh, you know, handling his emotions. Uh, and, you know, I just never got upset. And I think he, in his previous experiences, a lot of his teachers had you know, lost their cool as well. And so it was really easy to kind of get in a tiff with this student. And so um, I don't know if he saw me as someone who was supporting him, but he, I was the only person that he would go to for help. And I was only there for six months, um, and he was a senior in high school. Uh, he had a, I, uh, when I first started teaching there, I'd heard, you know, some horror stories about the student and, you know, like, uh, so I was kind of preparing for the worst to have him in my classroom. And he ended up doing awesome he was failing pretty much all of his classes except for a shop class because he's really excited about shop and um, I got him to he didn't get an A in the class but he got to a passing grade and uh, just the fact he came up right before I left he came up and thanked me which you know something the best like feeling. yeah and it's not like you know he wasn't all gory and he wasn't all like oh you're the best teacher but all he said he just came up and he said thanks Mr. McDonald and I'm like you know that's really all I needed you know sometimes you know and I'm not looking for handouts and I'm not looking for thank yous but the fact that you know as I made some positive influence in the student, and he was obviously in a bad way and was having trouble in school, and so to be that kind of support system for him and to help him at least go in the right direction when it came to school uh, kind of was that kind of rewarding feeling that I kind of went for, you know, as a teacher. And you get yeah. those kind of things that just kind of pop up kind of randomly and organically, and I don't know, that's what kind of makes teaching all worthwhile. That's totally true. Right. Those moments come, and you're like, oh, yes, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> something went well. Right. Cool. Well, I think those are the questions that I have. So thank you so much for being on my show. That's the end of my show. Thanks for listening. You can find future episodes on adequateyearlyprogress.com, iTunes, and now the Microsoft Podcast app. Thanks to the band Inspira's song, Follow the Waves, for the upbeat music you are dancing to right now. Thanks to freesound.org for the Creative Commons license for user S-B-Y-A-N-D-I-J-I's alarm bell sound, user Totia's ya sound, and user Mental Sanity Off for the background chatter sound. Thanks for listening. Talk to you next on May 9th.